The Monday Investment Club is brought to you by Omnis Investments. This podcast is for information only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. If you have any questions, please contact your financial advisor. Welcome back to the Monday Investment Club. I'm Rohit from Omnis Investments, and today I am joined by Sherry Chin of Fidelity International. Hi, Sherry. Thank you, Rohit, for having me here. I'll be speaking to Sherry in just a moment about China, but first let's have a look at what markets did last week. Generally, markets were up last week following a tough previous week. In the US, the S&P 500 was up 4.7%. Although more interestingly, the Russell 2000, which tracks smaller companies, reached a record high and was up 7.7% in the week. This was driven by better COVID-19 trends, optimism around vaccination programs, and signs of renewed strength in the recovery. The short squeeze we spoke about last week was largely abated, and all eyes were on Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus. Despite his talks with Republican Senate leaders, no compromise was achieved. Democrats have since moved ahead on their own through a process called the budgetary reconciliation, which requires simply a majority in the Senate. And of course, they've got the tiebreaker of Vice President Harris. This was approved on Friday and work on the legislation should begin this week. We had some positive economic data out of the US as well, including better than expected employment numbers. In the UK, despite some disappointing earnings and a strong pound curbing returns, the FTSE 100 was up 1.3% and the FTSE 250, which is more domestically focused, was up 4.2%. The currency jumped as the market washed out negative interest rates from the horizon. On the COVID front, the pace of vaccination is up and over 12 million people have now received their first dose. Boris Johnson has also said he will share his roadmap to easing lockdown by the end of February. The Bank of England has said they expect the economy to recover quickly over the year, but has lowered its growth forecast for the year to 5%. Over in the EU, markets were up, in line with global markets, on hopes of a quicker economic recovery. The Italian stock market led the rally as Mario Draghi, the former president of the European Central Bank, was given a mandate to form a new government. On the economic front, the Eurozone's economy contracted less than expected in the fourth quarter of 2020, though France and Italy's economy contracted the most. Vaccination pace is still slow, but daily infections are down, with many countries still in lockdown. Over in Asia, Japan's stock markets also surged during the week. On the COVID front, while cases are down, fatalities remain high and parts of the country which were in a state of emergency have now had it extended by an extra month. In China, stocks rose for the week. On the COVID front, following clusters of new outbreaks in northern China, Beijing and other major cities have tightened travel restrictions and testing requirements ahead of the Chinese New Year. It is normally the busiest travel season for the year, with some 280 million migrant workers travelling home from their place of work an annual migration whose economic impact lasts about 40 days. But the story is different this year. To talk a little bit more about what is going on in China with COVID and more broadly in the economy, let's talk to Sherry Chin. Sherry is an analyst and portfolio manager at Fidelity International. Fidelity is a global asset management company and currently manage three of Omnis's funds. Today, we will talk to Sherry about all things China and relating it back to the Omnis Global Emerging Markets Equity Leaders Fund. Sherry acts as a non-discretionary advisor on that strategy. So Sherry, 
Let's start by talking about Chinese New Year, which begins at the end of this week, and we enter the year of the ox. Sorry for stating the obvious, but does that ox symbolize a bull market? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Hit the year of ox doesn't necessarily imply a bull market, but it will definitely be a year of significance. Twenty twenty one is the year of one hundredth anniversary of China Communist Party. In the party constitution, China targets to achieve the moderately prosperous society by the one hundredth anniversary. So, twenty twenty one is the year for exam. We believe government has strong incentive to maintain the steady economic growth, avoid social tension, and control systematic risk throughout the year. As a result, despite the stock market will be more volatile due to the overall high valuation, we won't expect systematic crisis in our base case. Twenty twenty one is also the first year for the fourteenth five year plan. Government will announce detailed five year target. For various industries, with quantitative guidance on total investment, industry growth, and areas of support, the investment implication is the structural growth sectors will still be the main theme throughout the year. Apart from that, we also find a pocket of opportunities in some value sectors like high-end machineries, basic materials, which will benefit from the end-demand recovery and price hike potential. Thanks, Sherry. I guess structural growth is something we have been talking about for quite a while, so I'm glad you brought it up. Let's now look at where things are now, particularly with COVID nineteen. I guess in the UK we hear that cases are up, lockdown is tight, but on the other hand, GDP numbers for 2020 were positive compared to the rest of the world. You're in Shanghai. Tell us what's going on there. China has been fast and effective in COVID control. If we look at the daily number by end January, there are only less than 100 new cases per day, mainly concentrated in the north China. For example, I live in Shanghai. We are free to eat out or travel as long as we can provide the health code on the cell phone. Oh, Sherry, you're really making me jealous, and I'm sure you'll make all our listeners here in the UK jealous too. We've been in in lockdown for quite a while here, and pretty much stuck to our houses. I'm、uh, sorry about that. However, now Chinese New Year is approaching, so government is still very cautious about the large-scale travels and encourage people to stay at home for holidays. The government estimates that 2021 holiday travels will be 60% lower than normal years, and even 20% lower compared to 2020. But thanks to the effective COVID control. The Chinese GDP has rebounded to positive territory since Q2. In Q4, GDP growth is already back to 6.5 growth, higher than market expectation. The main contributor for the strong demand is exports. The pandemic has disrupted manufacturing capability of many countries, but most of their demand is rigid, or even increase after strong fiscal support. They need a global manufacturing center. To fulfill the supply demand gap, and China is well prepared thanks to early recovery. For 2021, despite the sharp appreciation of RMB, is something we should watch for. We expect a strong export to retain some momentum. Meanwhile, domestic consumption will likely pick up due to the economic recovery and rising inflation expectation. 
China government will likely reduce the reliance on properties and infrastructure, as President Xi reiterates that house is for living, not for speculation. Those are overall positive for the economic structure change, leading to higher quality growth. Due to the base effect, we see Q1 growth spike. Then year-on-year growth will decelerate since Q2. But we are not very concerned about the slowdown as long as the quality improvement still holds. As for equity markets, we know the accommodative monetary policy is a key reason for stock performance in 2020. But given the strong economic recovery in Q4 and inflation expectation, China might be the first country to shift their monetary policy. We have seen some market volatility in January when government tried to test the liquidity. This is a key factor we'll monitor, but we expect that normalization will be quite gradual without an effective vaccine. Government also need to keep an eye on the RMB appreciation when global major economies are still loose in their monetary policy. Let's turn to global relationships next, Sherry. New president in the U.S. What is that going to do to U.S.-China relations? Yeah. You know, U.S.-China relationship has always been both competition and cooperation. The Trump's focus is more on competition. Thus, we have seen harsh moves in tariff, sanction list, and etc. But since Biden take office, we think U.S.-China relationship is now on an improving trajectory. Of course, competition between the two countries will continue in economic growth, high tech, and global influence. But we will likely see more cooperation in a couple of areas. For example, climate change. President Xi has promo- promised a carbon neutral before 2060, and Biden plans to re-enter Paris Climate Agreement. We think there will be a lot of common interest there. Thanks, Sherry, and I'm glad that you mentioned the U.S. rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement. I guess it's something that's been covered quite, quite a lot by the media. But it might be worth for our listeners、uh, for you to share China's initiative on on climate change and and where they are at. Sure, China has reached the fifteen percent non fossil fuel consumption target ahead of their original schedule in twenty twenty. Their target for twenty thirty is to raise the bar to twenty five percent and reach the peak of carbon emission. To achieve that goal, government is taking multiple measures to reduce the carbon intensity. China encourages faster renewable development. Now, wind and solar are only eight percent in the power generation mix, but has very big potential in long term. It also promotes the higher EV demand by extending EV subsidies by another two years, and offer very favorable policies for EV investments. The goal is to achieve twenty percent EV penetration by 2025. We believe car electrification is very attractive long-term theme, and it requires more semiconductor contents inside the vehicle. We have invested the number one foundry company in the world, who is well prepared for the theme. The company has sustainable advantage in process technology, and is very successful in existing applications like cell phones. We believe it will replicate the success in EV. And autonomous driving. In their recent quarter, their auto segment growth has surprised the market on the upside. Clearly, Sherry, from an investment perspective, there are some opportunities arising from climate change. 
So thanks for elaborating on that. But thinking about the Omnis Global Emerging Markets Equity Leaders Fund, could you maybe share one or two other themes that are playing out in the portfolio? Sure. The consumption upgrade and the rising of domestic brands we think are structural trends in China. Because China is now the second largest consumer market in the world and likely turn number one in the next few years. According to World Bank, China has over 300 million middle class population and the income per capita increased by 8% per annum in the past five years. Take auto industry as example. Overall passenger vehicle declined almost 7% in 2020 due to COVID. However, the luxury car significantly outperformed with the sales volume increased by 7%. Current luxury car penetration is 16% in China. We think there's still room for penetration growth compared to the developed countries. We have invested a leading luxury car dealer group in China who are best prepared for this trend. The company not only has the great brand portfolio, but also stands out in operation management and corporate culture. It generates 20% revenue growth in after sales and enjoys highest customer retention. Another example I can give is the sportswear industry. Chinese young generations are very sophisticated customers who care about product design, emotion value, and social media influence. Overall, they have higher acceptance of domestic brands versus their parents' generation because they grew up in a period when made in China quality improves rapidly. We have invested in a leading sportswear brand who has benefited from this trend. Their effective customer engagement helps them design the China vintage products who are well received by the Chinese people. They also achieved privatization through the high-end product launched in the global fashion show. Company is an early mover of online sales and the use of platform is very wise. Now, it not only enjoys the rapid online growth, but also use it for the data analytics for user behavior, product feedback, and customer loyal program. This gives the brand an edge versus the offline competitors. Overall, we do believe the rising of domestic brands will offer us good opportunities to invest in the potential winners with very, very long runway. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here today, Sherry. It's been wonderful to speak to you. And all that is left for me to say is Gong Hei Fat Choi. Thank you. And have a very new year ahead. Very good new year ahead. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in today and wish you all a very happy and prosperous Year of the Ox. The Monday Investment Club is brought to you by Omnis Investments, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.